Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton. Welcome to the show. Let us be the first to wish you, the listener, a healthy and happy new year. Uh, One step closer to 2022, Dan. One step closer to this uh, train wreck of a season being over for the Giants and their fans. And I I think we knew a result like this was coming against Philly, right? It just doesn't make getting trucked by that team, the Eagles, any easier to swallow, right? It's just painful when you get trucked by that team. Yeah, it's it's gross. There's, there's no there's no other way. Yeah. There's no other way around it, especially after everything that happened last year to uh, have an opportunity to really exact revenge and, and really damage, you know, Philly's playoff potential and then just get the floor wiped with you. And it wasn't even like it wasn't even it wasn't even competitive at all. Like no. the first half was arguably some of the worst football by both teams that I've I've literally ever seen in my entire lifetime. Uh, but the Eagles really turned on the second half and, and just completely dismantled the Giants. They didn't stand a chance. They were non-competitive. Um, it was a low point. It was a low point, not just of this season, but of Joe Judge, Judge's era as coach. Yeah, we'll be picking away at it here throughout the show. And uh, just a quick shout-out to our listeners that you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Giants Wire. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. We appreciate you, and we're we're all excited to be on the 2022. Uh, but let's talk about this game a little bit, Dan. What do you think about the Jake Fromm experience? Was it everything that you expected and more? I think it went worse than, than we thought it was going <laughs> somehow, to go. Somehow, yeah. Uh, I mean, to his credit, he stood up there and he, he took questions post-game. Um, he was honest. He was genuine. He was thoughtful. And um, I appreciated that. I certainly appreciated that. I have nothing but respect for him. I was standing in there. And owning up to that, um, you know, he was thrown into the fire. Our, our expectations weren't high for Fromm to begin with. The fact that he was in a new offense, a new team, new players, no rapport, no chemistry, no anything, and kind of just tossed to the wolves against a good defense, strong front with that terrible offensive line was just, you know, it was basically like, go get him. He didn't really stand much of a chance. And, you know, we could talk all day long about what we've seen from Fromm in college and, you know, some practices in the NFL, but – you know, we've said it repeatedly on this show throughout the year. Um, you can't evaluate a quarterback in the Giants system, whether it's from Glennon or Jones. It's just impossible. And we saw that in spades on Sunday. Yeah, in case in point, the Giants' second play of the game, Dan, right? They go to run this little sweet play to Saquon coming across the formation. And there were probably yards to be had on this play. There are three Giants players responsible for putting a hat on a hat. You got Farrell Cooper, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, and they just literally don't block anyone. They look like they wanted to at first. They just decided, ah, what's the point? You know, it's it's early in the game. We're not quite into the game yet. Why why put a hat on a hat? I just thought if you could clip a play that captures the twenty twenty one Giants, it was that play, right? The second play of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. When you actually watch that play back, particularly in the all twenty two, you know, basically you've got three guys out there that need to block two defenders, get somebody on the second level. There's a you know, there's a, a third 
you know, blocker that's that's running free, get him on the second level, and and who knows how far Barkley goes. And and I think again, that's that's a microcosm of the entire season. There are players that are ta- otherwise talented that have had good seasons in the NFL, been productive, that are just blowing their assignments. And in the process, Barkley gets drove behind the line, goes for another negative play, and everybody immediately cracks down on Barkley for you know being this underperforming running back who was drafted too high and he doesn't have it anymore. And listen, we could argue all day long and i've written articles about it in the past two weeks that maybe it's time to start booker over barkley you know obviously when the opportunities are there he's not capitalizing on them the problem is is he's not necessarily getting a whole lot of opportunities you can't give that one to saquon right you right. can't put and, that and on again, him. and it goes back to what i said before about jones it's the same as it is with barkley and the running backs and every other skill position player on this team the offense is in such shambles the offensive line is so bad. The downfield blocking, the screen blocking, the assignment pickups are so bad that it's nearly impossible to evaluate anyone on this team. Yeah, and speaking of Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts gave us some sound in the post game, and I'll play it for uh, the listeners here. We're expecting seven bracket. So basically 29, safety McKinney from Alabama. He's bracketing Rager, and they're playing kind of in and out, right? But they're in quarters, cover seven. So... Got to find a single, maybe. But in the play, what I was coached to do, just go through it as a pure progression, work the shallow to the running back coming, only throw that versus a certain look. Um, and my shallow popped, um, and McKinney fell off and, and drove on the shallow after I threw the ball. So McKinney made a really good play, and they busted the coverage backside, so he was wide open over there. So my pre-snap look did not give me um, what I wanted to throw the corner to Dallas, but definitely looking after the fact. Um, it's easy to say throw him the ball, but um, hey, you're gonna miss something like that, you know. He gave us commentary on why his progressions took him away from a busted coverage that left Dallas Goddard wide open, uh, and that made you think about Daniel Jones, uh, Dan. That's what we were talking before the show. Like, tell me what you mean by that. Explain why Jalen Hurts explaining that that missed opportunity to Goddard. Why did that remind you of Daniel Jones? Well, it's just something that we've seen, you know, over you know this year in particular, uh, but last year as well, where Jones will not even look at an open guy, and immediately the critics will pounce on, they'll jump on him about how how could you possibly miss that open guy? There was a touchdown, there was this game, there was that game. He could have done this, he should have done that, and he's immediately criticized for basically saying, you know, I'm taught to go through my reads. That's my job. And yet when Hertz did it, he was praised as this thoughtful, insightful, remarkable answer, you know, with this remarkable answer. And why can't more quarterbacks be like that? And it just kind of made me laugh at the coverage, the differences in coverage. And it's something that I've noticed and I paid close attention to this year and at the end of last year in particular about how certain quarterbacks are covered based on narrative in comparison to other quarterbacks and how they're covered based on narrative. The reality is what Hertz said was 1,000% factually accurate. It was an insightful, detailed, and interesting answer for those who don't follow the extra-donos of football, but it's something that can apply directly to Daniel Jones in those same instances of where he missed a wide-open guy because of his pre-snap read, because of how his reads on the play were actually set up and where he ultimately went to on the field combined with the amount of time that he actually had to throw the ball, which was, you know, basically what Hertz was breaking down. And I think that apples to apples and oranges to oranges, that same sort of 
that same sort of coverage and criticism should be applied equally, and it's it's simply not. Um, but beyond just that, beyond just the scope of the you know the unfair, what I would honestly call unfair coverage, sometimes. Um, it, it's a detailed look into the eye of a quarterback and how it is that they have to process what they see pre-snap, post-snap, where they have to go with the ball, how much time they have to get there, and why plays like that happen, why certain guys, um, you know, are left open and just never seen, and that the, you know, the criticism at times is just unjust. Coming up next is our questions of the week, and I got some, I got some zingers for you in this one, Dan. So I'm looking forward to this. We'll get to that right after this. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for the Fantasy Football Championship Week, number 17. Quarterback Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks versus Detroit Lions. Wide receivers DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are back in business. And tight end Gerald Everett has been on the upswing in recent weeks. Running back Rashad Penny has managed to resurrect his early career hype in a span of three games. And through all of that, Wilson still hasn't been a fantasy factor since returning from surgery. That should change versus a Detroit defense that has given up six performances of at least 21 fantasy points to quarterbacks this year. While the lines may be improved against the pass, there's just too much to contain, and Russ should get back to cooking at home. He's good for 250 and 2 at minimum. Running back Devin Singletary, Buffalo Bills versus Atlanta Falcons. In the last three weeks, Singletary is RB5 overall in PPR scoring. I bet you didn't have that on your fantasy football bingo card for December. Atlanta has struggled to contain the position in 2021, and Singletary's upswing has come at a perfect time to trust them as an RB2 in reception-rewarding formats. Running backs have averaged 21 PPR points per game against this defense in the last five weeks, and the season-long look at that number is 25.6, or 11% higher than the league average. Amon Ross, St. Brown, Detroit Lions at Seattle Seahawks. In a year full of big-name rookie receivers, St. Brown's 74 receptions trails only Jalen Waddle's 96. Last Sunday, nine catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown came with Tim Boyle under center, showing he can deliver regardless of the quarterback. Jared Goff is due back this week after being activated from the COVID protocols. Seattle has permitted 15 receivers to catch at least five passes in 2021. In the last five weeks, only Cooper Cup has more catches, and just Cup and Justin Jefferson have more targets than this rookie. Even if Seattle manages to keep him out of the end zone, St. Brown has had enough volume go his way to suggest that he can overcome it. Tight end Foster Moreau, Las Vegas Raiders at Indianapolis Colts. Moreau once again will be the primary tight end if Darren Waller cannot play through a knee injury. Indy has given up top three numbers for yardage and receptions in the last five weeks, and Moreau has been trending in the right direction with 10 plus PPR points in consecutive games after being mostly quiet during Waller's absence. While trusting Moreau is risky, the Colts offer an amazing opportunity in PPR scoring. Best of luck in your championship quest. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522. 4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, it's that time of the show. Our questions of the week. Three questions for Dan. And here's question number one for you, Dan. What should be the Giants' top New Year's resolution heading into 2022? Boy, there's so that's such a loaded question. You could there's go a so, lot of different ways here. So I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm going to boil it down to something that you've not heard me talk about on this show before. Uh, something that we don't write about that much, but we really should start focusing a lot more of our attention on it. The, the Giants' New Year's resolution inside the building and youth Rutherford specifically, they should get away from the nepotism that has destroyed this franchise. They have. Players, I mean, uh, personnel executives in place in positions that maybe aren't warranted because they're, you know, brothers, cousins, nephews, family members, in-laws of the Mara and Tish families, the Mara family in particular. And it's really beginning to spiral out of control. The nepotism is hurting the team's ability to evolve and grow and move on and catch back up to modern, you know, NFL teams, offenses, defenses, et cetera. So I I think they really need to take a step back. And I know it's difficult. You know, you never want to fire a family member. You never want to criticize a family member. You want to do all you can to support them. The bottom line is that nepotism inside the building in East Rutherford is destroying this franchise. That's a great one. That is a great one. And I, I put something that we've talked about ad nauseum when I, when I answered the question. I just said, score some more points. Just score. Uh, my number for them, Dan, is 23. They need to average at least 23 points per game. Right now they're at 16 and a half. So we need a, at least a touchdown per game next year. More. I don't know how they do that. It, it sounds like a lot of points per game. They got to figure out how to score more points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got to figure out how to score twenty-three points a game. That's where I think that. I think that. I think that ultimately, it all boils down to the same thing. In order to fix everything that's broken with Giants, you've got to go back all the way to the top. Yep. And it's it really got to be Marantish, and then it's got to trickle down from there. And I think that's why I ultimately said, you know, the resolution should be eliminated the nepotism because it's it's clearly blinding those that are in charge in this organization and it's starting to leak out into the public and you're starting to see the dirty laundry getting aired. And I'm sure we could talk about that in just a moment here. Yes, uh, Don't spoil my next question, Dan. (laughs) But that that's sort of, you know, that's, that's a major problem and you're beginning to see it uh, quite a bit, especially now that it's all playing out in public. All right. Question number two, a former giant scout, Steve Verderosa, Dan, uh, who was fired last year has been critical of the giants on Twitter. Go figure. Go figure. You know, a former scout that was fired as being critical of the team on Twitter. I, I could not have predicted that. Uh, he, he's fired off a series of tweets about you know, one of them was about Kevin Abrams not being a, quote, football guy and how the Giants need a football guy in charge uh, of personnel, all kinds of crap like that. It's all compiled very nicely on Giants Wire. So people so folks should uh, go check out Dan's article on it. Uh you know, Giants senior vice president of communications, Pat Hanlon, couldn't help himself, Dan. He fired some tweets back with some colorful language. This all made for a very entertaining Twitter thread with Giants fans chiming in. It was it was great. And Dan, what was your take on this bitchy exchange? That's the question. Well, there's a, there's actually a lot to unpack in that exchange. <laughs> there is. I mean, listen, for, first and foremost, I think it's it's fair to state that any fired employee it has the potential to be bitter and have an axe to grind. Now, do I think that this is specifically the axe that he's grinding? I don't know that I would go that far because if you go through his Twitter feed, he really just offers his takes on everything that he sees. Yeah, it's not and just Giants. Team, yeah. Right. It's not focused just on the Giants. The Giants commentary was 
highlighted and became sort of a lightning rod uh, because it was specific to Kevin Abrams, who is obviously a hot topic for a multitude of reasons. And Pat Hanlon, for whatever reason, felt the need to to jump in and discredit this guy and, and kind of, you know, take him down a peg or two, which is I understand trying to defend the organization, but it's not as if everybody on the outside looking in doesn't see the problems within this organization. We've talked about them at nauseum and and we just were going over the whole nepotism thing two seconds ago. And it's not that Kevin Abrams represents that nepotism, but he's kind of like part of the boys club. And that is a very legitimate problem. And maybe there is some merit to the argument that he's not really a football guy. Kevin Abrams will tell you straight on that he's not necessarily a football guy, that he kind of got into this through an internship many, many years ago. And, you know, then he's dabbled in the cap and he became a cap guy and it kind of snowballed from there. And there's this belief that the Giants have been grooming him to essentially take over the general manager. And you've heard my opinion on that. I don't need to rehash it. I'm not a fan. And I don't necessarily disagree with some of the things that were said, I don't think that some of the pot shots were necessary. And I certainly don't think the optics of Hanlon going back in so hard and making subtle comments about, you know, why you were fired and you were bad at this and you were bad at that. Well, he was, a, he was an employee for 30 years. So if you knew that, that doesn't really reflect very well on you or the Giants either. Yeah. So in that particular instance, it, it probably would have been better for the organization, which has just become a circus and a laughing stock publicly as it is, to maybe maybe just not say anything. Yeah, I mean, the optics of the VP of communications bitching at a former Giant scout on Twitter, it, that's actually kind of hilarious when you think yeah, about it. Yeah, it, right? it, it was it was not received well by the fans. It was, and it was largely ignored by members of the media who are taking every bit as much heat as Pat Hanlon is now for ignoring the situation. Um, so there, there was a lot of moving parts there, and whether or not the media wants to cover it, whether or not Pat Hanlon should have said what he said, it happened. The fans have reacted negatively on both ends of that. And uh, again, I go back to one of those things where it, it you probably just shouldn't have said anything uh, because nothing that comes out of any executive's mouth with the Giants right now is going to be received well. Whether that's fair or not, that's the reality of where this organization is. All right, and speaking of that, take your pick, Dan. Question number three, which franchise is in the worst spot entering 2022? This is actually a question that we can think about. The Bears, who the Giants have next year and are about to fire their head coach, Matt Nagy, probably the GM2 and Ryan Pace, or the Giants, who, like we've been talking about, they're likely keeping Judge as their head coach. They're probably going to end up promoting Kevin Abrams. We kind of see that writing on the wall, I think. That's what we're all expecting. How, how can we help ourselves? Which franchise is in the worst spot entering 2022? You also have to factor in the draft picks next year as well, right? What do you think? Take your pick. The lack of picks, the lack of early and first-round picks for the Bears certainly hurts them in this particular argument. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt just because they are going to start fresh. The Giants are doing yet another half rebuild where they're going to force – they're either going to promote Abrams and not much is going to change or they're going to force Judge and Jones on a new GM. They're going to handcuff him, and that potentially leads to another half rebuild a year or a year and a half from now if things don't work out. There's just – there's too many variables when it comes to the Giants and where they are organizationally right now that, one, they don't seem like a very desired destination for players or executives, in my 
humble opinion on the outside looking in again. And you saw that this week when Johnny Manziel, of all people, literally laughed off yeah. the idea of playing for the Giants. So I think when you ask that question, I think I think Johnny Manziel is, to, is the perfect example of that. If someone that down and out is so resistant to play for the Giants, it, not even in reality, just hypothetically that resistance to play for the Giants – it speaks about where this organization is. So unfortunately, and I don't, I know a lot of people are not going to love hearing this. If I had to choose an organization that's in a better spot right now and moving forward, it would be the bears because I don't, I don't believe that there are many organizations in more dire straits than the giants are right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. We could call bears with a lowercase B, right? They're, they're in a bad spot too, but yeah, but I mean, it's, the Giants. There's so much to talk I about mean, with the no, Giants. There's That's... no other way around it. When yeah. Johnny Manziel lasts off the <laughs> hypothetical opportunity to play for the team, you are you're at the bottom of the barrel. That's a good way to put it. All right, the Bears did the Giants no favors last week when uh, Nick Foles threw a game-winning touchdown pass and two-point conversion. Oh, what did I call him? No, I'm I'm just saying Nick Foles. (laughs) So when Foles, of all guys, you know, the forgotten man in Chicago, the guy that they couldn't wait to replace, they sign Andy Dalton, they make him the third-string quarterback after they trade for Justin Fields in the draft. Nick Foles not only throws for a game-winning touchdown pass, but then completes the two-point conversion to win it and uh, screw over the Giants and make that draft pick a little bit worse. So we'll get into the draft pick bowl Bears, Giants, right up to this. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.usatoday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this week's Monday Night Football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Browns favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 40 and a half. My pick is the Steelers plus three and a half points. It's a pros versus Joes game with more money coming in on the Steelers, but more bets being placed on the Browns. Also, since 2011, the Steelers are 7-1-1 and against the spread when getting three points or more at home. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? I'll take the Steelers plus 3.5 as well. Baker Mayfield is thrown eight picks in his last five games and has just one game with over a 60% completion rate. I'll ride with the better quarterback in his last home game. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Dan. Bears are hosting the Giants this week. And uh, it sounds like Joe Judge might, quote unquote, platoon quarterbacks in this game. Jake Fromm, Mike Glennon. We might see both of these guys play. That's what that's what Judge told us to expect. Like, I could see baseball teams doing that with like, with, like a right fielder. You know, and you want to play the righty-lefty matchups or whatever you want to do there. But platooning your quarterbacks, you don't see that very often in the NFL, especially when both of the quarterbacks suck. Have, have we ever seen that? In the <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Maybe the same, maybe with like, you know, you have those running quarterbacks like the Taysom right, Hill package. Yeah, like a Taysom Hill and New Marcus Orleans. Mariota. Yeah, but right. what, like, that's my question. Like, what does Jake Fromm bring to the table that you want to platoon? Like, he, he's not like Marcus Mariota. Like, like what, are we, what are we talking about here? I have. I don't know. I, I don't. I, that's, I think that should be the name of the podcast moving forward. I just I don't, don't know. know I don't know anymore. Yeah. 
Like I, I, nothing that George does to like it makes any sense in my brain at this point. And I'm going to chalk it up for the time being, as of this recording, which is Thursday morning, just so everyone's aware. Right. I'm I'm chalking it up to judge playing his typical games because you've seen him do that a lot this year where he tries to keep the opponent on their toes about who's starting at whatever position who's starting at right tackle who's starting at quarterback who's going to start at wide receiver who's going to start along the edge judge likes to play this game where he tries to keep everybody you know on their heels about who they're going to be playing here's the reality it's it's Jake Fromm and Mike Glennon, who gives a crap who's going to start it doesn't you're not gaining any competitive advantage at this point if you do platoon them in week 17 of a lost season, it's one of the most bizarre decisions that I could possibly think of. Because what are you really trying them out for? You're going into the offseason knowing full well that neither of these two players could or should be brought back. And that you need to invest heavily into another more capable backup quarterback for Daniel Jones. So I just don't know what's gained by actually playing both of them, which is what makes me, you know, leads me to believe that it's some sort of... Um, covert operation the judge is trying to play here yet again yeah i think we've missed daniel jones over the last few weeks we also miss colt mccoy it's like man do i miss colt mccoy yeah and then the report that came out um this week that colt actually uh fully expected to return to the giants until they made a last second decision to save a couple dollars on the salary cap and and go in a different direction. And listen, it's not that, listen, Colt McCoy may have won that Seahawks game a year ago, but it's not like he played particularly well. So I don't know that, you, you know, he would have been leaps and better uh, bounds better than, than Glennon or Fromm. I think this is a reality check for the Giants. If you're going to roll with a quarterback who gets injured, and if you really want to knock Daniel Jones, that's where you knock him, because uh, you can't help your team from yeah. the cold tub. Yep. Um, so the Giants, if they're going to keep Jones, they absolutely have to invest in a much better backup quarterback. All right, well, right now the Giants, Dan, tied with the Jets and the Texans at 4-11. and 11. They could easily slide into the number three spot with some uh, strategic losing here. Uh, so if the, if the Giants can, can lose some more games, they could get into the top three. Uh, their Bears pick is now at number eight, and I don't think that could go much higher than number nine, right? I think it's going to be a top ten pick no matter what because the Bears are were, were just bad enough this year for us. But what are you rooting for here? Like what's the better result for the Giants, right? Do you want to win this game? Do you want to lose this game? Do you want – the Giants pick to move up? Do you like, or do you want them both to be in the middle of the first round? Maybe pick back to back. Like, what, what should Giants fans be hoping for? Because the Bears are five and a half point favorites. I don't think anybody really is expecting the Giants to win because their offense has just been such a train, so terrible, so bad. They can't score. They can't move the football. It's just like a la- it's a laughing stock when the Giants have the ball. Uh, are you like, what's better for the Giants? What's better for the fans looking ahead to the twenty twenty two draft? A Giants win or a Giants loss? Well, if we're talking if we're talking strictly about the draft and not the merits of winning and losing yes, in a way. Yeah. yeah, that's where we're at so, now. <laughs> right. So from a from a strict draft standpoint, the, the the Bears really kind of screwed the Giants over last week. Uh we can make fools, man. Right, because the Giants very well could have trended towards a top three pick on their own and still had a, a mid round, first round pick, uh had the Bears, you know, fallen. But now when you're looking at it from a a purely draft standpoint and and where each team can go, the Giants stand an opportunity of potentially getting up a little bit higher. And and who knows what that means? You know, that maybe in some crazy scenario, they end up with Hutchinson in the end, and that would be, you know, fantastic for them. Um, So I think you want to inch closer to that number one spot as you possibly can to have the most amount of options that you possibly can. But at the same time, you really don't want to see that other pick dip out of the top 10 if at all possible or even slide any further than it is 
Um, but with the separation that was created by the Bears winning last week, from a, again, from a strictly draft standpoint, I think it would be better and more beneficial for the Giants to actually lose this game um, than to win it because – at that point, then each team has won once in the last two weeks, and both picks are sliding as opposed to just one. So you don't, from a giant standpoint, you really don't want that to continue to happen. Now, I'm not touching this game with a ten foot pole in terms of like sports betting because it's just there's just too many <laughs> factors playing in at play here, Dan. But the Bears are five and a half point favorites on Tipico, and I just think like the pick here would be Bears to cover because. Uh, for everything you just said, it is better for the Giants to just lose this game. I think if they're platooning Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon, uh, if that's a real thing, that plays in the Bears' favor. Yeah, also playing it, yeah, also playing in the Bears' favor is they have no tank incentive, right? I mean, the Giants have the Bears' pick. There's nothing, nothing lost or gained by the Bears right. losing this right. one, and it's their last home game. They've been playing pretty hard on defense. They have some good players on defense. Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn. I mean, they're playing hard. Final home game of the year. I expect the Bears to to have plenty of incentive to win. I don't know if the Giants have a lot of incentive uh, uh, to win themselves. So I, I think I would back the Bears at five and a half. I think if I was picking the spread, that's where I'd be. Yeah, I, listen, I agree. The, Giant, the Giants are struggling to score any points whatsoever at this point. Yes. The only time they're putting anything in the end zone is, is a garbage time. Outside of that, they're just getting smoked. So I, I really don't necessarily anticipate that to change. I don't think that's going to make a difference whether or not they play a platoon at quarterback, whether they start Glennon or from. They're going to have yet another offensive line. Matt Pert is out for the season. Nate Solder is still on the reserve COVID list. Um, it's possible that they promote and elevate um, Isaiah uh, Wilson and, and put him in there and they start him even though they moved him to guard so it, it's just it's all kinds of messed up for the Giants right now particularly offensively they've also got a bunch of defensive issues now Dexter Lawrence just went on the COVID list he's probably going to miss the game uh, Leonard Williams playing with a pretty severe injury Adoree Jackson's got issues he may not play um, so the Giants they're just littered with all sorts of issues, injuries, illness, inconsistency. Um, among the league leaders and drops, last in pressure rate, last in pass protection, next to last in run blocking. I mean, there's not a lot of things to look at this game and go, yeah, they're going to be competitive. I don't think so. They're on the road. They're in Chicago. They have no reason to win. Chicago has no reason to lose. It just It's very unbalanced. So, unfortunately, as bad as the Bears may be, um, they're probably going to make the Giants look worse on Sunday. All right, Dan. Well, on that note, happy New Year to you. Yeah, I hope right. you have a great weekend. Uh, you got you got any plans on New Year's Eve? You just watching college football? What's going on? That's it. I'm a Notre Dame guy, so I'll be watching Notre Dame and, and cheering them on on Saturday. And that's that's uh, other than that, it's just it's it's work straight through. Just trying to get through the end of this year, the end of the season, and uh, quite frankly, wish a goodbye and not think twice about it. Yeah, yeah. You you could use a vacation, Dan. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my wife's whole family's from Cincinnati, so we'll be pulling for the Bearcats. Don't know if they have a chance to beat Alabama, but we'll be uh, we'll be pulling for them. Yeah, you never know. You yeah. never know. Yeah. So it'll be an interesting game. They've uh, they've taken it quite a bit further than people expected them to. So yeah, what's one more miracle, right? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, to all the listeners, have a great weekend. Have a happy new year. Uh, don't forget to hit subscribe for us. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll be back. You no, know, no matter what happens, Giants Bears. It'll probably be Probably be ugly, Dan, but we'll we'll be back next week to uh to break it down, won't we? Yes, we will. I'm you know, and, and thankfully we've only got to do that two more times this this year. <laughs> no doubt. We'll catch you guys next time. Go, 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 go. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.